we got a taste of that in Toronto. The last time we all were right. together at a conference, that was like yeah. right at the, the end there. And we popped in and that was awesome. It was, it was, it was so much fun. Well, we're accountants, right? You know, that what's the, 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 um, the saying about the introverted accountant or the extroverted accountant, they, they stare at the other guy's shoe. If I wasn't, I'm terrible <laughs> at telling jokes, Andrew, you do it for me. I, I, that's it. That's it. Dude. Yeah. The extroverted line got slaughtered. Doctor slaughtered. <laughs> Doctor slaughtered. Um, I really loved that session. I imagine yeah, it was good. It, it it got people thinking differently outside of the their comfort zone. Like, isn't that what it's all about? Right. And it, it was interactive. I love anything yeah, interactive. Yeah. Get you out of your seats. Talk to people. Talk to us. Get up here. Talk like that. I love. And I think. That's such a, uh, I, you know, I, I took theater in high school, which is about the only exposure I had to theater. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, you know, the way that you have to, especially when you're doing those um, exercises that require you to think on your feet. And um, I love Whose Line Is It Anyway? Do you remember that show? Yeah. Absolutely. Wayne I, Brady. And oh, God. Oh. They were just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And the way yeah. <laughs> the speed at which these people could come up with things, it was incredible. And yeah. it was hilarious. <laughs> It, it is it's a, it's a skill it's a muscle but speaking to brad's introvert point like introverts have superpowers in the speaking mm. world and that Absolutely. is because they are observers and they see things and they're often really good at listening and understanding and processing things so when they go to present it comes from just such a deep fascinating place that makes them really superheroes when they get that confidence to then take the stage and tell the story. They just are able to observe so many more aspects than others. So I love helping my introverts because all of us have a little bit of that in us. <laughs> yeah, it's, funny, it's funny you met, you mentioned that. Um, I was thinking of Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Of course, mm -hmm. he spoke at uh, at Connect in San Jose a few years back. Yeah, I was I fortunate to, to, I got to meet him. And yeah. he's like a tale of two people. When you see him in person, he's really shy, really meek, very, in, very introverted. Mm -hmm. But on stage, he's amazing. He's a yeah. master storyteller and he's so outgoing and he does such a great job. So they have this program through one of the Apple subscriptions. So on my Apple watch, I, I go for a walk and I can go for a walk with people. So I, I picked Malcolm Gladwell tonight. Oh. And um, just before we came on, I went for the little 35 minute walk with Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And so I, I came in, you know, I'd met him in person. I, I saw the, the way he can be, and he's definitely introverted. And, and I've seen him on stage at, at his best. Well, this was the 35 minute walk and talk. He talked about things in his life, uh, learned a lot about Amazing. him. Then he played a few songs at the end and that was it. And I was thinking about that, this whole introversion versus extroversion there's, there's, there's flavors of both, you know, mm -hmm. for the first year I was in business for my own, I sat back and I hardly said a word to anyone and people accused me of being introverted, not accused, but they right. totally got me wrong. Noticed. They didn't understand <laughs> that I was just kind of sitting back and, yeah. and what you just said about sitting back and listening and paying attention, it's important. It is important. And, you know, that's how you get to know people. It 100% is. And that Malcolm Gladwell on his storytelling, because he interviews people and he's such a good listener, mm -hmm. he catches all of these things. Yeah. The nuance of their yeah. conversation, the little details you wouldn't 
normally Magic. think about. Yeah. And Magic. so, and that's what you're doing. So let's bring that back. Like, that's really what, what I saw that day is that you're, you're going to be able to bring people out of their shell. And to me, you know, there was a while back I would have went, okay. Um, I would never do that stuff in a million years. Um, I wouldn't even, I didn't like having video camera put in my face. I didn't like being interviewed without preparing Andrew. <laughs> he handed me a mic in San Jose and said, Hey man, just grab a mic and, 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 and let's just go with it. And that's yeah. kind of where we are today. But I was like, what are you doing? Like, who, where are you broadcasting this? I was terrified, you know, cause I didn't yeah. really, it was that comfort zone. And, and once you get out of that comfort zone, you can, you know, you gain the confidence and, and um, speaking is obviously going to come out of it. And speaking is good, you know, sharing knowledge and doing it effectively is, is, a, is, a, is hard to do. Well, what I also find interesting, and I mean, I am definitely the first to talk and often struggle with cutting people off because I talk too much, which one might be getting better. Yeah, which one might think I'm an uh, I'm an extrovert, but you know, outside of those comfort areas, um, I'm I would consider myself an introvert. I think that I've been okay managing through COVID because I'm more of an introvert. I definitely I agree. Social, but I I think I recharge by being by myself. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's yeah. interesting for me, and I think it's funny that you know we do talk about this introverted by extrovert. I think there's like every one of us, depending upon the situation, can be either. Yeah, right? I agree. And, and yeah, I think it's an omnivert. We're all omniverts. It's just the ratio Is that a word that or are. did you just make that up? Because um, I love I it. Know. Let's get a hashtag <laughs> on it. Do a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm an omnivert. Hashtag omnivert. That's that is a great way of looking at it. Because that's that's that has had me thinking a lot. Because you know, everyone says, Oh, Brad, you're an extrovert. But you know what? As much as I'm I am missing people. I really am missing my community. I think everybody so the many levels. Person exactly. Is still missing people right now. But yeah. at the same time, I can go out on my own and I do a lot with all the walking. You know, I'm walking 10 miles a day and awesome. I'm listening to podcasts and, and listening to music, whatever. And I've learned to appreciate that. Yeah. So I don't think I could if I if I was a full on on the extroversion scale of this new scale we're developing here what do we call it omni omnivert yes somebody that's look a, that up and let us know that, if that is a great or... way to look at it though it's okay to be a little bit of both because it's we're not we don't live in a black and white world right? yeah totally and we have to pull out those sides at different times right yeah. where we need to take that time to sit back i think all of us have had a lot of time to sit back and listen <laughs> to ourselves and andrew likes to to, to, to get self-deprecating on himself but no he andrew you've you've made a real effort to do it it was actually uh our good friend richard ropa that just kind of came out didn't he he kind of set you straight once and 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 that was um sometimes that's all it takes you know it somebody just true. has to remind you that and it wasn't mean-spirited richard was was just being Richard, and that's a good thing. Give me my two, my free two eight two in the morning coaching program. <laughs> Those were the best times in San Jose, yeah. you know, be, because Richard is Richard, and he says it like it is. And if he ever did it any other way, you'd wonder what was up, right? So, 
Like if all of a sudden he stu- he sugarcoated everything, he'd be like, Richard, you all right? <laughs> they check you got COVID, man. Like what what's up? Like is this this long this COVID thing? Is this fog brain? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't trust it. So uh, I spent a lot of a lot of late nights with 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 Richard uh yes. talking about our deepest, darkest uh feelings. Um but Whoa. I think that yeah, <laughs> you got it. Like, hang out by that side, that pathway between the two buildings. The annex between, yes. you know, the yeah, that was he would always be there. Richard well, the last elf and a few other troublemakers up to no good. <laughs> but you know, it was so cool. The last time we were there in, in I guess, 2019, um, Richard wasn't even staying at the Fairmont. So the odds of him being there were slim to none. Still so Andrew, Andrew and I are coming home late one night. We're both staying at the Fairmont and who do we run into? But <laughs> Richard Ropa in the usual place between the two buildings. He's with Kelly Gonzalez, who we you know, adore as well. So of course, right. I love her. Yeah. The yeah. four of us kind of sat up till, Oh God, Andrew, did the sun come up that morning. Well, do you remember to it. that time that Tamitha Denyes came out? Yes, her plane. She had to get to the airport. She was rushing out. And she hung out. He was leaving, and we were still up. Yeah. this is a problem. <laughs> That's what conferences are all about. It's Especially like that this one. mass celebration sure. of seeing each other and sharing thoughts and ideas and dark stories and light stories and just they're usually light. It's just that time of the morning, you know, there's been uh, copious quantities of assorted things that make your brain do that. And exactly. that happens. Now, that's, that's all right. That does remind me, I actually have to give a bit of a shout out to, to Tamitha because Tamitha has started a petition that I signed this morning. That is a very, very, very important petition. What is it for? It's to petition our uh, CRA, which is our version of the IRS, to give us an extension on filing personal taxes because they haven't given us one. Really? Yep. Yep. That's uh, surprising that they haven't done that yet. I'm telling you, our government right now is uh, letting us down a little bit. So the U.S. is beating us in vaccines, beating us in, ha- in how they're handling their uh, their taxes in this year. So everyone, if you are a Canadian or even if you're one of our U.S. friends, please. <laughs> Please sign this petition and give us a bit of break. Save us. Save us from our government. Can you post it in the feed or something? Yeah, make fun of us. We, yeah. we got to make fun of you for four years. Now's your chance to make oh, fun of, of our... Yeah. It's... Um, we'll, we'll get through this. It's just unfortunate because, you know, we started the pandemic on different paths and everything felt better up here. And it's the same thing where I live in, in Western Canada and Alberta. Um yeah. We've got this very conservative premier. Premier's like a governor. So okay. premier of Alberta. He's conservative. I've never really cared for the guy on many levels, but he can't win because if he does something to appease one side, everyone gets mad. And then when he went to the other side to try and counter it, then the other side get mad. Everyone's mad at him. <laughs> and his approval rating's at like 25%. And it really comes down to we're just not getting the vaccines right yeah. it's just not happening and and you know there's more restrictions and people are getting frustrated it's been over a year you know covid fatigue is a thing it 100 that and ocular fatigue like all of us are just constantly at screens right now so yes it's all yes yeah I've, yeah definitely I, I, um optometrist must be doing big bucks right now right 
<laughs> the thing I wanted to, to chat about, we were talking about this in the in the pre-show, and I apologize, I was just trying to find that link. Um, yeah. But about this, the fact that you're staring at your face now uh, almost day, all day long as a CPA. I mean, we were pretty heavy into Zoom. We're comfortable with Zoom. Um, yeah. But for a lot of people, this is this is new. And a lot of people are really struggling with having to stare at their own face for an hour, an hour and a half long session. Um, and it's funny because I didn't even really think about it. Um, you know, it's never been an issue. Like me, I'm shoving cameras in people's faces, right? <laughs> uh, but this has been a difficult thing for not just ourselves, but potentially our clients to be on a meeting for an hour with us who maybe if they weren't coming in uh, virtually before who now are. Like I have clients who, who logged into Zoom for the very first time this year, which has been nice because- But you know what? My clients like it. Same thing. Once they try it, they go, hey, this was actually pretty good. And they realize they don't have, it's it's less disruptive. You book an hour, you get an hour and then it's over. Um, I think a lot of them seem do. to like it. People Let's do like it. it for the most part, but I think that there are, there's certainly a group of people out there who are now in Zoom all day long for their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, 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 they're like, I mean, my mom mentioned it to me too. That it's a real issue. And, you know, there's a whole aspect of it that I never really even thought about of like potentially staring at your own face and starting to criticize. Like if you have a lot of self doubt or anxious in any way, shape or form, you're just going to be staring at yourself, picking apart every little thing about yourself that you don't do. And we're, we're in a time where you, Hey, we're doing great from a mental health perspective, but there's a lot of people out there who, who that aren't, that aren't. Um, yeah. and it's in things that you like, we don't think about. So it's important to acknowledge these and, you know, give people the freedom to turn off their camera. Uh, Cause it was funny. I was, I was sitting there, I was having a discussion with my, I, I never enforce it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have clients that just don't turn them on. And... Well, what about yeah. with staff? Because this is a, a debate, like are there meetings mm. where it's required to be camera facing is is should there be a blanket policy that everyone's free and i don't i don't think it's necessarily relevant though like it, do you have to sales call is a mandatory yeah. half that face-to-face -face? i'd say it is yeah i would say sales call for sure yeah it becomes it difficult for a lot of my speakers too because they're used to being in a boardroom or they're used to being in an environment where they're not constantly seeing themselves. And so they are judging themselves as they are presenting now, because that's what wow. they're seeing. It's like presenting to a mirror, which we tell people not to do. <laughs> yes, I, I really tried that habits. once, public speaking into a mirror and I hated it. Like it's like, yeah, oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that because then then you'll like start formulating Hypercritical. Like, this persona yeah. that is manufactured versus organic, right? Yeah. And so a lot of them are having a whole different level of anxiety. They were already having anxiety going into a boardroom and presenting. Now they're having this anxiety of having to be on camera, the entire staff seeing their house or some green screen where parts of them are disappearing while they're trying to present <laughs> that becomes completely distracting. And so it is causing some very serious anxiety with some of the people I work with who already yeah, had professionalism, that professionalism, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's the professional side of it. Like, yeah. it, There should be Zoom consultants out there that'll go out and they'll set you up with... You know, Alicia, Alicia Katz Pollock, she's actually got someone who designs Zoom backgrounds for her. And they're great. Like she, she could be anywhere. You know, it's like she's always got this real but we're finding, atmosphere going on. Brad, we're finding through research that people feel if you have a green screen background, you're hiding something. 
And so they want to see a more organic background, something that represents you. So a lot of my clients, like part of our work is taking that theater design background that I have and figuring out a background that represents them and that has a good message and that's in line with who they are as an individual. Because people feel like, I don't know you because you're, you're, you're putting a mask on behind you. Speaking of that, we do have a question in the comments about how many M's are actually in your background. <laughs> oh, yes, find them. Actually, <laughs> this is all coming back to me. I, I heard that Misty is pretty hard on the backgrounds. Um, room, is it Room Raider? Is that what are they call on that um, website in the, the U.S. where people go to see how they're doing on the rating scale? Oh, I don't background. know. No, yeah, it's I something know. to do with like a lot of the, the news get people talk about it. So they make a real effort. Um, honestly, green screen in my house is because um, there's always stuff going on behind there that the rest of my family doesn't really want to be involved. And so they're, they stay quiet. So like Friday, like Friday night, it's right around dinner time. Right. So I got that. I've actually made it so that um, I've got more room here, but it, it yeah. So it, it, for me, it's always been like, I can't pull it off. I've tried pulling it off in our house and it's just too busy. And, totally. uh, and that's, that's the case. I wish I had people. a place I could set a nice atmosphere. Like I, we've got an extra room in the house that I'm eventually going to lead to that. That'll be a multi-purpose room office, you know, zoom room. Um, because let's face it, it we're going to keep using it. We were using it before the pandemic. Totally. It's a great way to, to interact and teach and, and communicate and, you know, but it's overload. I think everyone is getting burnt out. So I actually keep my calendar strategic where I won't let certain appointments get booked at certain times because I don't want to have back to back to back to back Zooms. I just don't. I, no, I won't be at my I best. It'll show. Best yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny. I'm not, I'm the opposite. I I'm like I'm I have one Zoom, um, like my primary Zoom number, and it like oh I that's that right. Everybody. So like this this what we're in right now. I'm just in yeah. this one Zoom room. So someone could come in right now. So someone just, could come in right now, but you can't get in until I let you in. Oh, that's <laughs> right. You got the... I was like, come join us. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's happened. And, and for those of you out there, we will open it up after after the show. And, and uh, we usually have a people, bunch of people who come and join us, but I'm just in the same Zoom room all day long. And like, I've literally got to the point, I'm like, the only reason I shut, I close Zoom is so it'll start converting a recording for me. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a big recording if you just keep it running all day. I've had recordings that are 24 hours that I've had to like delete. I'm like, oh God, I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> Full day of Zoom. Oh my God, no. That, that goes up your hard drive pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Brad, to your point on me being hard about backgrounds, can I just say how many people log on with meetings with me and apologize for their background first? And I'm like, I don't know who has spread this rumor. I'm not hard. I'm I just, saw it I somewhere. I think someone on <laughs> Facebook mentioned that, you, that you, uh, you know your stuff when it comes. But I've seen other people talk about it. And I thought mm -hmm. maybe you're just, it's a thing. And it, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's lots of little funny little things that have developed. So, I mean, just think of Zoom in general, the, the fails, like the, the person who was in court as a cat or, you know, that one person was upside down. They couldn't figure out how to 
how to change it. And they they were in a serious that situation. That was so funny. Oh my God. I died. Like and that. he kept going, I'm not a cat. Just so you know. Cat. And the judge is like, yes, I, I, know, I know understand you're not, you're not a cat. <laughs> oh yeah. But just oh, the, and some of the fails, right? You know, people are doing an interview and all of a sudden awesome. a great Dane comes in and jumps the guy or right. the kid not, you know, knock something over, jump, you know, it's, it's hilarious. And I, I think that's good. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm going to have to get you to rate my background now. I got to put you on this. Yours is getting better. He, he's been, he's been working it. What I, what I love about it is that you have things that are in proportion, right? So you have mm. really nice, large pieces behind you. What tends to happen is people have a lot of like little pieces that cause visual clutter. And yeah. so the like if you have a bookshelf behind you, then people start reading all of the spines of your books instead of paying attention to you. And so it can actually distract versus like enhance. And right. it's good. You want people to like, look at everything, you know, take it all in. Cause we're all visual learners. 70% of communication is visual. So you want to pay attention to that stuff. But yeah, I, for me, you have a really nice balance. Uh, the color on this picture that pops is really, really nice. I would add something of that color on the other side too, just for continued balance. Or red. Uh, yeah, yeah. What about other the background? That. It is a, it does blur a bit. So Andrew asked me what, what I, th I like the blur actually. I, I, I like it too. I think it's really nice because the focus always ends on you because yes. you're crisper. Yeah. It's, the so it's like a portrait, taking a portrait of somebody, yeah. right? The background is just meant to accentuate the subject. Exactly, exactly. And it creates a nice circle around you. A there nice you visual go. circle that ends halo. with you. A halo. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually just the light reflecting off my bald head. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's me with my forehead. A so halo. A halo, huh? <laughs> yeah. Andrew, I have a five head. A <laughs> yeah, it's more like this, right? <laughs> oh. The horns are holding up the halo. Like the horns it. are holding up the halo. <laughs> How many M's do I have? I don't know. That's a good <laughs> it, like, and I see, I'm seeing them as W's, right? but that's my inherent bias, right? <laughs> I and you, and, if you, and you count the... reflections. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, lighting is, do you do like a whole thing around lighting? Because lighting is such a thing I struggle with in trying to create that sort of, like, I, I have put effort to try and create uh, a sort of stage, which is an important thing to do, right? If you're going to be on Zoom all day long, um, you know, you were either going to a green screen, which I personally am not, a, I agree with you. Oh, now we've got, we got, can that change colors too? It can. It can go in any direction I want. <laughs> and it all is controlled on my phone. <laughs> so I guess you know all this from your theater background about how to light it. And so does it work the same way? Like you just, think of the camera as the crowd and the lighting will work the same way, basically? 100%, yeah. So a lot of times for theater, you light, I don't know if you can tell, it's pretty subtle on my lighting, but one side of my face is darker than the other. Mm. And what we do in lighting is we typically have something that light. is darker and then something that is, uh, like usually you do a blue and a red, so a warm and a cool. And that will help you have features because if you light yourself all in one color, like those ring lights, yeah. all one color, they will actually flatten your features a lot. So you tend to have to put on. They like, also do weird things to your eyes. You get that weird oh, devil eye thing. 
Well, yeah, so I have umbrella lights. Videos dedicated to that where they show people with these eyes that never noticed them before. Now I I I find that <laughs> just focus. Do they got the little <laughs> devil eye thing? Well, the, the yeah. thing I struggle with with lighting is so first I get I've got like all the fanciest gear. I have probably 20 lights all around the place, but I just can't get it to work. But my mm -hmm. thing is like, so they've got these fancy ones now that can they change the color, temperature, not the color, right? Mm -hmm. And I can never figure out like whether I should be like in the like low or the high like what's the right temperature warm versus cool i really want to do almost like one warm one cool or no this yes exactly yeah, that's yeah, kind of what one side that's saying warm, earlier one side that's cool for you like for me i have a top light too just like it's not on top of me but it's up high right and uh that is just for my for hair me color. right now i have one like sort of <laughs> our light up above here that i've got nice and high Yep. I've got sort of a, a backlight, a backlight holder to sort of get that separation. Yeah. And then I have another third light here, which to just try and because this room it gets kind of dark on this side, so it's just more fill, I guess. But yep. I don't have so it's a I, I don't have one where it's giving me two lights on my face. I just have the one straight in front of me. Yeah. Even if you move that one straight in front of you just slightly off to one side, it would do the same thing as having two. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, literally right in front of me. The other thing is, the other problem is glasses. Your yeah, glasses. glasses are always a challenge. Yeah, because you can, <laughs> where I'm looking, you can see my screen or you can see my lights. And always Yours aren't as reflective as most, though. Like, brands are a little bit more reflective. They can be. Right? Yeah. And so you can see a lot more, which <laughs> is, just so if you get anti-glare glasses, which are, like, it's possible to do, then you don't see all those reflections and you can see your eyes. Yes, that's a yeah. so that's a good tip. And I, I mine are those blue light blocking lenses. Mm. Um, and so that seems nice. to be a little bit better because most of the light coming off the computers is blue yeah. light, which I think is why they're not as reflective, hopefully. Right. I, I think that is the reason. And that helps with eye fatigue, correct? Supposed to. Um, but since I like I never used to wear glasses, it's a new thing. Oh. <laughs> I'm just I'm getting old. Um, and I realized, oh wait, I'm I'm blind now. And the more I wear my glasses, the more I need my glasses. Well, I'm dating myself. It was I couldn't read my BlackBerry anymore. And that's when I knew I needed it, it, was, it was my phone. I definitely yeah. I was like, I like I would, I'd be like I, I, it, it was obvious because yeah. I would be holding it so close and someone says, you gotta see, you gotta get your eyes checked, man. And sure enough. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my prescriptions stay pretty stable. It's pretty weak, but at the same time, if I don't have my glasses, I can't read my phone. I just yeah. can't. Yeah. <laughs> and once upon a time I could. Uh, yes. and it wasn't even oh, yeah. that long ago. I think it was maybe right before COVID, who knows? <laughs> yep. Yeah, oh, I know. My doctor just asked me if I wanted bifocals for my sunglasses, and I was like, "Do I have to?" <laughs> I have progressives. Can you do progressives because they're good. Because then so, you don't see the progressives. You don't see the. the so they're bifocals, but the, it's hard to tell that they're bifocals. Yeah, it's more part. the glass is okay. very subtle. You don't see it. So that's what these are. I have um, <sighs> progressives. So I've got my long vision and my reading. Or my short vision in one glass. It's just whether you look up or look down type of thing. Yeah, but you don't notice it. You don't notice the transition. Your your brain sort of adjusts to where it is. Oh, nice. So I don't find myself ever looking out of particular places to get something done. My eyes just seem to know what what they're doing. 
could probably could probably <laughs> use a new pair too, but you know what they charge. Oh. It's crazy. But we should also digress from our aging bodies. <laughs> yeah. Like, get back to 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 you know all the what great you're things. Doing? Yeah, on, Misty. Let's, so let's talk about you. What about yeah? I mean, I saw on social that you're doing a book. You've got a friend who's doing a, a session, I think, next week, right? On it is. Yes. I put a link on my Facebook page. So anybody that is interested in writing a nonfiction book, Stacy Innes, who has written over a hundred books, is incredible. And she really takes you through a step-by-step -step process to write a book that makes it so much easier than like trying to come up with the ideas and going, okay, what should the next chapter be? Like she really spends a lot of time on the pre-planning of it and the structure. And that way you just, when you start writing, you already have all of the ideas down and in a really good succinct order. So next week she's doing a five-day challenge and it is all around how to organize yourself so you can write faster. And so I'm super excited about it because I have two chapters left. And I was doing her nonfiction book school. And I'll tell you, we would meet every Tuesday morning. And then afterwards, I would be so inspired by everybody. And I would just write for a good couple hours. <laughs> and then that class stopped. And I was like, oh, I guess I can still get up by myself on Tuesday. <laughs> the accountability wasn't there, right? And I was like, oh, apparently I need some accountability for this. So I'm happy to hop in next week because I know it's going to inspire me to finish those last two chapters that I've just been like, putting off a little bit probably five minutes before the first call right totally totally <laughs> I, i'm definitely that guy accountability programs are really important for me because life gets in it. the way right like yeah. i always have more things to do in the day than i have hours in the day always totally. and totally. so it's constantly a choice of what i'm working on today and it's really easy to let something that you want to do and that's important to you slide like i've always wanted to write a book and i mean unfortunately it, well i'll tell you what if we get that extension sierra gives us that extension i'm doing that five minute challenge oh my god that would be so much fun you I, you guys in the program would be so much fun for next week yeah i, I need that five day extension or else I, it's not really yeah. realistic to do five Come days on, dedicated to writing in the middle of tax season but um you know i think that writing a book is such an important thing and i think public speaking is such an important skill for accountants to have. Um, and I think, you know, I think obviously there's a number of people in our community, you know, the, a lot of the people who've been on the show, they recognize that they, they see that, but I think there's lots of people out there um, who don't understand why this is important. What, what's your two cents on why, you know, having improving your public speaking skills, you know, writing about yourself, writing books, why is this important to building your career as a bookkeeper and accountant? Great Communication. Question. There are so many different ways to communicate. And a lot of times you can be a speaker, but whether all of your messages are aligned with your brand or aligned with what you're trying to achieve and really understanding the message that you're putting out. To me, I was asked if like, like who my audience was and I am not after the person that wants to go and be a rock star on stage. Like, yes, I will help you <laughs> feel like one, but I want people that want to make an impact. And that's, that's the people for me, the ones that want to help others achieve something that will improve their lives. And I really think in the accounting world, you guys already have so much magic. Your mindset is already focused on helping others. 
And a lot of times when I'm talking about this group of fantastic people to my non-accountant world friends, they just, they like see bookkeeper and go this slot. They see CPA and go in this slot. Right. And they feel like they already know who you are. And so that's going to be the same for a customer, unless you can really tell them your value and what you do and how you achieve that. They go, oh, you're a bookkeeper. I know what you do. You don't need to talk anymore. And it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> I have so much more. And then for a lot of my customers uh, or clients, they are actually, I can say about half of them are within corporations, but they're financial people within corporations. And as they move up the chain, they are having to do more speaking. Like one of them, she's a VP of finance and she is having to now present to board of directors to get you know, funding and she's having to present to all hands meetings, which is talking to the entire company. So when she first asked for that role, she was like, oh, I would like the VP role. And they're like, sure. Yeah. Or she actually went from VP, sorry, to CFO. Yeah. And they're like, sure, you can have the CFO role. And then she went into panic mode of like, oh my God, this is, has a lot of presenting. What the hell? I hate right. speaking. And so she came to me and she just wrote me, I would say last week, she sent me a video actually. And she said that she did her board of directors quarterly meeting and she knew exactly what she wanted to say. She knew exactly the data and the story that she wanted to tell with the data. And she said, I didn't realize until after the meeting that I wasn't nervous at all. And that was the first time in a year that she had been in that role that she felt completely confident and laser focused on what she wanted to do, so. Is, is that when you, when like, cause I mean, we've all witnessed great presentations and not so great presentations. Do you mm -hmm. think that that's really where it is? Like when you're dialed in, cause I, I mean, I don't know, I, I assume it happens to everybody, but even don't the most, like, do you still get butterflies? Like, I can still get butterflies in, in big presentations. Like, you know, I, I, I imagine Always. going up on stage in front of thousands of people. It's, is it not still nerve wracking even after you've done it hundreds of times or dozens of times or tens you know, of times? That is, a, it's a good question. I, I will say I, don't get too many butterflies in the anxiety realm. My butterflies are in the excitement realm. Like I, I get excited because You're to do it. I get the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that I've been given the opportunity to be on stage and connect with an audience, like means the world to me that somebody has given me the mic. And so I take that as an honor. But the thing that I think causes a lot of anxiety for people is like I was working with uh, an individual last week and he was saying how he gets super anxious before he speaks, but about five minutes in, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's like, once, I, once I'm in, I'm fine. And I said, well, you can actually not be anxious before you even go up and be fine. And he goes, what? <laughs> I said, the problem is like, we talked through his presentation. I said, the problem is you're not excited about your intro. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that before that the it's the most important thing is is to is you have your intro and your your outro memorized and everything in between can just flow. 100%. And if you're so excited to share it, like you are just like, "Oh my god, this is such a good story." Or, "Oh my god, this research is going to like knock them dead. <laughs> like they're not going to believe this." That 
anxiety can turn towards that excitement. And then also it's having those like pre-presentation like habits that you build. Cause a lot of times like athletes, they have pre-game like rituals. Here's my ritual. Every time I, before a game, this is what I do. It's the same thing with speaking. It is a practice that you have to put into place and set these rituals that you can do that normalizes to your mind, hey, this fight or flight doesn't need to be here. This is normal. It's okay. Like I do this all the time. This is nothing new. Yeah. So if, once you set up those kind of things, then you will go in and you, will, you won't be as anxious. You'll just be like, oh, guess what I get to do today? <laughs> It's funny how that can work because like I'm now I've done I the more I've done the more comfortable I am but I remember I've been up and I've been on stage where you know you're that person when you get that shaky voice maybe Misty you've never had that experience I have <laughs> and you're younger I can hear my voice shaking this sucks <laughs> <laughs> and um you know the more I do it the, the less that happens and and for me when that um when when I was in those situations it was often because I didn't feel 100% in my content um, and, and also or, or my content or my community. Um, I've also been in situations where I actually knew my content, but the people I was presenting to intimidated me for whatever reason. And that, like yeah. now, I, I'm now to the point where like nobody really intimidates me. Like I can, I can hang with me. You do the intimidation. <laughs> Yeah, I, He's I, like, I, I intimidate. Yeah, I, I can dine with princes. I can dine with paupers. Like I'm yeah. comfortable talking to anybody, right? So, and, uh, but there was a certainly a period of time when I was younger and I was more insecure. And I looked at people as, well, this is the CEO of the organization or this is this person, you know, you know, is this person. So I, I, I shouldn't be presenting in front of them. And then that's where I would get that sort of nervous, shaky voice. Right. As it's so true. It's, and you feel like your body is betraying you in that moment. You're like, Oh my gosh, like, like be nervous on the inside. Fine. But don't show everybody. And we've all, we all have been there. And that's why I went into teaching public speaking is because I've been there. I've experienced a lot of like great and horrible things. And I'm like, please just let me help you. So you don't have to experience this. <laughs> let me show you the way so like you can avoid what happened to me. I think that a lot of times you're absolutely right. It's, it's that mindset that whether the CEO or, you know, anybody else in the company, we're all human beings, mm -hmm. right? And we all had to start somewhere. And so once you normalize, like, hey, we're all on the same playing field of human. <laughs> this is just another human being who has different experiences and hopefully we'll learn from each other and we'll communicate. Yeah. And I have something to share with them that they haven't experienced. Exactly. You have unique things to bring to the table, unique stories, unique perspectives. And those should be honored. So 100%. Brad, you you look like you were going to say something. No. No, No, I think I just muttered something. No, carry on. <laughs> I didn't want to leave you so, out. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, in, I'm enjoying this. This is this has been a great conversation. He's, he's, great... he's omniverting. He's switching. Yeah, no, no. Oh, the, okay. the, the, the term came out in the, in the discussion thread as ambivert. Ambivert. Oh. Ambivert. I like Omni better, but Omni, okay. Omni sounds <laughs> rolls off. It's Omniver. Let's create yeah. our own 
uh, section of the spectrum. It's probably more correct because there's like it's extrovert and introvert. There's only two, but Abby, right? that's creative. Omni, omni. Creating as many more. <laughs> right, right. We're gonna have to come up with a third one then to have yeah. omni, right? <laughs> um, now, omni part is parked somewhere on the spectrum. We'll be able to find it, and it'll be yeah. somewhere, you know, that just fits us. Well, I like it better also if you created a word, Misty. I love what if I yes. create a word, I'm owning that for like I'm trademarking that. I'm done. Like, done. That's mine. So omnivert, we're gonna officially we're gonna we're gonna give that to Misty. Oh, I'm sure I heard it somewhere. So like once you get back past the nerves and you know you're you've got your your intro nailed and you've got your outro nailed, um, and you know that the in-between is gonna be um the best you can deliver is there like a path is it like storytelling where you want to create like this tension like is it's a great presentation like that like what should people be building into their presentations that most people aren't doing oh, <laughs> what you know this one for me i think is going to be very different because everybody that steps on the stage should have a unique voice. Mm. And if you're saying this is the formula that everyone should do, then we're all gonna be totally bored at conferences. <laughs> right, right. It really is about developing your own unique style, who you are, and it's- So we're not gonna talk about big trusted advisors and stuff? <laughs> right, right. I mean, especially right. when the content is repetitive, you don't want that, but I mean, I, you think yeah. about- all, every movie has the same like they're completely different movies but they all have the same sort of plot Boy meets girl yeah there's definitely story archetypes right that you can do but the thing is that in, in that story archetypes or whether you're bringing research and data and supporting your point of view like what you should do the thing is is that in theater, what I learned when I was getting my directing degree that just totally released me from what I was already doing. I had already been directing for years. My professor that took me in didn't take students younger than 30. So you had to be a certain age to even go into the program. Right. And when he and I were talking, he, which seems so silly, but he said, Misty, you don't have to do what everybody else has done with a show. Your job is not to duplicate what you see on Broadway and bring it here. Your job as an artist is to look at the script, figure out what you want to say about it, the statement that you want to make and the metaphor, and then make that happen. And to me, I was like, oh, like, I don't have Brilliant. to go and build a kitchen if it says a kitchen. And I did Medea. Uh, the Greek play, <laughs> not Tyler Perry version. <laughs> but when I did Medea, I did the stage as this giant rose. And as she kills people off <laughs> in the show, <laughs> the Greek chorus would pluck a petal of the rose and they would walk it to a certain section and lay it down until the entire stage was red. And then the last two petals were white at the center of the rose and they pulled those off and it was her children that she had killed. And all of these white rose petals fell. Now the show was set in a palace <laughs> and I could have done a palace, 
but to me, it was like love being torn apart. And so it just made things a lot more fun for me and unlocked that permission that I needed to be more creative as an artist. And I think as speakers, that's our job is to figure out how we can bring our own voice to something and our own unique perspective that is unlike somebody else's because of our experiences in life and make that part of the overall experience for our audience. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Great, great advice. Um, I think it's so true, right? Like it's, it's that personality that you bring. We all know that like the speakers we've all loved are the people that we felt like we saw into them. Right. And, and like Brad Smith, an absolute like legend of a, of a speaker. I mean, the definition of what I think a lot of us would love to have that, that skill. And the reason that I thought he was such an amazing um, presenter is I really felt like I was seeing him on stage that I was seeing off stage that I was seeing, um, you know, everywhere. And and I felt like we were getting a a peek into um, his life and in a really, really authentic way. Um, But, and you're right, when I've seen other uh, speakers who, when, it looks like they're almost trying to follow the Brad Smith role and model. Like, Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to look empathetic. Let's, you know, it, it, and it didn't, <laughs> right. It, it, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't connect with, with me. Um, and I was like, that was because it wasn't because that person isn't a great speaker. Or, exactly. You know, it was that they were trying to replicate someone else. Mm-hmm. And they lost the thing that they brought, their spark, their uniqueness was lost. And that presentation flopped for me. Uh, but at the time, I didn't necessarily see it as, as that. Um, and, and it's, you know, the, I'm thinking of a very specific presentation that probably many of you can guess. <laughs> We usually talk about that when we have the cameras not rolling. No, okay, so. okay. Move along. You, you'll you'll share with me on the, on the off camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to guess, but I won't. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, this is um, like I think the 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 more that we can all improve on this, because we're not all going to be you know Brad Smith up on stage in front of thousands of people. But like you said, yeah, it's, it's about communication, right. And, and improving um, all aspects. And that's going to help in your business life in your personal life in so many different, different ways. Right. I mean, I think networking, you know, getting new clients, trying to turn that prospect into a paying customer, like wedding speeches. There are so many areas in life where public speaking happens to pop up and you're just like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> it's the biggest fear in the world, right? I mean, that's, I, they, I can't substantiate that, but they, you hear that all the time, you know, people are more afraid of public speaking than just about anything else. In the yeah. yeah. You know I, what, I for millennials, Bill it is uh, above death, but it well, is below so much other time drivers. On the screen, right? People are texting That is the only other... thing that they're more afraid of is, is time. Other drivers are, are scarier than public speaking, but it's above wow. death. So I'd rather die than public speak, <laughs> but I don't want to be on the freeway with other drivers. I, I remember Bill Clinton. I heard an interview with him. He talks about how he, he's terrified every time he goes up there, even now with all the speaking he's done and he's getting paid, you know, six and seven figure amounts to speak. Yeah. He's still, he says, 
you just get that feeling of dread. And he says that's healthy because it grounds him. It allows him to, to, to prepare, right? If he, if he wasn't nervous, he said he doesn't think he'd do as well. So yeah. And those butterflies too, that you dry it, like the anxiety that if you can channel them into like excitement, you still want those butterflies because those butterflies actually do tap into that fight or flight syndrome that help you concentrate on stage and deliver. If you are super calm, like I've been calm in a show where I was doing a show for like three years. And so it was the same show. And I got so relaxed in doing the show. Like I'd show up, you know, 10 minutes, put on my makeup. It was a professional show too that I was getting paid for. (laughs) I was like, I got this. And you realize how many mistakes you make because you're like, oh, I'm not focused right now because I'm dialing it in. And so you want those butterflies in some aspect to help you just hyper-focus in the moment because you're just a more, you're more aware, right? It yeah. heightens your senses. That, that brings up a, a great example. I was thinking of Andrew, you were in Calgary for, for Get Connected Calgary. You came over and you're on a few panels. I got to speak there. Uh, it was the regional conference in my hometown. It was, it was mm-hmm. a blast. So we had a speaker named Graham Sherman and Graham is a local entrepreneur here in Calgary. He's a great personal presenter. friend. Um, he's, he speaks, he, he also owns, uh, the tool shed brewery. That's where he, uh, his, his claim to fame started in Calgary. He actually, um, he started speaking as well. And he told us afterwards, I'm in this, um, Facebook group that he's a member of as well. And he told the entire group that he was terrified of this gig because it was the biggest gig he'd ever done. It was the first time he'd had a really big corporate, you know, um, into it actually reached out to me and said, what do you think about Graham Sherman? I was like, do it. You'll, you yes. won't regret it. And, but he said he was absolutely mortified, terrified. And he says the worst part about speaking for him are those first, it's not even intro outro. It's when you're first walking on stage and eyes are on you and judgments are being made. And he said, at that point, you're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? He said, the anxiety hits a fever pitch. And then he said, he, he, he got out there and he saw, <laughs> he saw me sitting in the front row, of course, and we're buddies. And I, and I got to look at him and gave him the thumbs up. Apparently that did it for him. Yeah. And he, I didn't know this till after he told us this in the group, but he was amazing. He gave such a great talk. I don't know if people remember the entrepreneur's crying pillow, but that, that, that was his thing. And he told the story of struggle and, you know, having to mortgage his house and second mortgage and this and that and, and stories that people relate to. And it was, he did a great job and he's a, he's just a great guy, but you know, when he told me how nervous he was, I was like, what are you talking about? I see you on stage all the time. You, you're, you're natural. He said, Oh, it's different. It's different when you're out there and the whole world, there's a new audience and you just don't know. And they liked him so much. They brought him back for a panel discussion in Toronto. Um, Does that still panic him? (laughs) No, he he looked pretty chill. They want me again? No. No, He he loved it. He thought it was great. He actually, you know, he said, thanks, man. I never expected. Actually, word got out that um, maybe I could, like I had other speakers in Calgary going, hey, man, can you get me one of those QuickBooks gigs? I hear they're really good. I was like, Sorry, you got to know somebody named Rachel Clark and, you know, get in the long lineup of people that want to present. So do you guys find yourselves 
like I have my answer, but I would love to hear yours. When somebody is walking out on stage, are you already starting judgment on their, whether they're going to be good just from their walk? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it may not be conscious, but of course, I mean, that you're like, you're certainly evaluating everything from them. And like, I mean, and are they, is it going to be a funny presentation? Is it going to be a dry presentation? You're like, the minute they walk out the stage, you're getting an impression of what, and even like before the stage, before they come on stage, what's the layout? Is it two chairs? Is it, you know, a podium, right? Like, like your mind is already- What's going to happen? Your mind's already creating yeah. <laughs> yeah. scenarios. I'm usually, it, it depends. Yeah, it can just be the overall vibe. But one thing, remember, I'm probably going to get her name wrong. Amy, is it Amy Purdy? Yeah, the, the one with the dancer, yeah. Double MPT. You know, she came on stage with all that energy. It took me about a minute to realize she didn't have legs because she just came in with this, this passion and, and like, I, I was like, Oh my God, she doesn't like, where are her, where are her feet? You know, wow. it didn't matter, you know, cause she, she kind of owned the audience. It, it, no one, no one was really. And I, I talked to other people that said the same thing. They didn't know about her. I didn't know anything about her, she was good. but her delivery, just her ability to go out there and own the audience. And one thing I loved about um, connect in, in, in the five years I was there, um, is the variety of speakers and the expectations we might have before they go on stage and then they let us down or who is this person? I have no idea who they are. And they go out there and they absolutely uh -huh. want you. Amy Purdy was an example of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people well, remember. Siku Andrews, who was there a couple of years, that guy. Yeah. Siku Andrews was yeah, amazing. Great. Who remembers Derek Kiongo? Yep. The soap guy from yeah, Africa. Uganda, of course. I got to like, meet we him. Got so much feedback on him. Oh, he was so best. good. <laughs> yeah. We're we're on link, we're LinkedIn buddies. We actually kept in touch a little bit. I had That's he awesome. he I had such a great conversation with him. Love and it. and you know, we talk about Ma Malcolm Gladwell. You know, it was interesting meeting him, but he wasn't very compelling. There have been other speakers that you go in there and, and you can tell they're just like, are, are we done yet? Are we done yet? <laughs> um, whereas you know, I got to yeah. meet Common and Common had time for you know for a conversation yes. and some mindless banter, and he made he made it fun for everyone. So you you know, Jade Simmons, everyone remembers Jade and 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 things like that. So you just don't know, like. I knew so little about Jade Simmons. Look how she stole the show in two cities. 100%. Right? Speaking of somebody that goes with their talent and leans into who they authentically are, like carving a niche for yourself and going, I am going to do a keynote. I'm going to play the piano because that is my passion and what I'm I do. Gonna run for life, president. And I'm going to tie it all in. Like amazing presentation. Amazing. Yeah. She's and she ran for president of the United States. Like she knew, you know, obviously when you're writing yeah. candidate, your expectations are different <laughs> than if you're from one of the big parties. But, you know, I followed along. I was on her mailing lists and stuff. And shit, she'd be an amazing um political leader I, i'm hoping that she embraces it in texas and goes out there and and does something like that because she's she's she is amazing and is. once again we had no idea who she was so what were the expectations some lady's gonna play piano yeehaw you know <laughs> you know but that's what I'm in the, I'm in the zone. And this is the same as I am as a director. Like when I have auditions and people walk into the room inside my head, I'm like, this could be the one, 
this could be the one they're going to be great they're going to be great and it's up to them <laughs> to like bring it right but I feel the same about every speaker that walks on the stage. I'm so hopeful that it's going to be good. Yeah. And then even when I see somebody failing on stage, I am like trying to send as much love to them as possible going, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you see somebody tell a joke, the recovery. nobody the laughs size. and they don't know how to react to it. You're just like, oh, this is oh. Word. <laughs> uh, I saw that I witnessed that with my dad once. He went out to oh, no. a part of Quebec and told a French joke, and it it was horrible. It was <laughs> it was so bad. Poor George, but, uh, I, believe it or not, we are we are at time. Um, you know, I just yes. want to thank you again, Misty, for for joining. It was us. a lot of fun. Hopefully, you'll hang out a bit more. We've already we had some guests who were here. I, I left them in the waiting room for a while. So hopefully, more of yeah, you. Yeah, I put we put the link out about ten minutes ago, and um, we got a very lively crew tonight with lots, lots of want to say uh, Misty. lots of familiar faces. Uh, I don't think they're here for us, so um, I don't. We don't take that personally. So thank you so much, Misty. Um, it was a blast. Next week we've got um, Shabir Ladi. Now. People might not know Shabir. He's from Edmonton, which is north of where, where I am. He's a real big deal here in Alberta. And in he's got some really great ideas. He's a cool guy. Um, so he's going to be with us next week talking all things accounting firms and, and that exciting stuff. So we'll see you then. We'll, we'll quiz him on his public speaking skills. There you go. <laughs>